Chances are you've heard, read, or seen former Syracuse football cornerback Julian Wiggum's opinions of the Orange football team this season. While completing graduate work at SU, Wiggum provides radio analysis for ESPN Radio Syracuse, writes for two websites, and appears weekly on News Channel 9's football show Orange Nation. Wiggum is enjoying the transition from player to media performer with boundless enthusiasm. Genuinely believing you're going to die on the football field will give you that kind of perspective. Wiggum joins me this week on the Syracuse Sports Podcast to detail what he was feeling on November 16th, 2013, while lying on the field at Doak Campbell Stadium at Florida State, unable to breathe after a collision with a teammate. We'll also break down the road ahead for the Orange football team in its last four games, including this Saturday against Florida State what it's like to analyze former teammates, and Dino Baber's future as the head coach at Syracuse. Julian Wiggins here, and Julian, it is Florida State Week for the Orange. And it's a weird Florida State Week. (laughs) A very weird one. They've got to win out just to be bowl eligible. So this is as good of an opportunity as Syracuse has had to beat Florida State really ever. And certainly since they, you know, joined the ACC, what a weird situation, but opportunity nonetheless for the Orange. Yeah, no, I'm excited because you get the, what I see it as is you get to beat a brand name team and they're going the downswing, but it's still, you're beating Florida State and then you're, they're winning on the road. Florida State is no tough venue to win at regardless of how good or bad they are. Um, every time I've been down there, uh, the noise was, I hate that chant, okay, one, but that noise level is... It's up there with, with Death Valley and Clemson. It was something I couldn't imagine. I, I remember I was on the field. There was a play. I remember I lined up across from Kelvin Benjamin. And I'm looking at him. And then I looked at the offensive line. And then I looked at the crowd. And it was the first time I had been overwhelmed by college football. It was just like, where am I right now? My, my, my whole body started to tingle a little bit. It was one of the weirdest feelings ever. And then all of a sudden, I snap back into it when I hear Darrell yelling, Julian, three, we got three, we got three. Because <laughs> I was just, I just spaced out. So it was a quick moment, but even yeah. then, you, you kind of recognized yeah, what it was. Yeah, it was the first yeah. time just the, the amount of, like, just everything that college football is just hit me. And it was just Florida State, the smell of the grass, the barbecue, the fans yelling. Just seeing it all, just taking it all in was incredible. But, yeah, for these guys going down there, you get a chance to beat a, a brand-name Florida State football team. And then you get a chance to do it in front of a huge home away crowd. So that opportunity is going to be huge for them. And I think they really have a, an awesome opportunity to win this game. I mean, Florida State is ravaged by injuries. Um, their quarterback situation is, is rough, to say the least. Um, they have, there's certainly an opportunity. They just have to take advantage of it. Yeah, they got to take advantage of that opportunity. And, you know, Syracuse is in this interesting spot right now, Julian, where, you know, they're 4-4. Four and four, They only need two more wins to be bowl eligible. And yeah. at the beginning of the season, everybody said, if this team just qualifies for a bowl game, like – Put your hands up and walk away because that's a successful season. Well, because of how things have evolved and how competitive this team has been, I think I'm expecting 
a bowl bid at this point. Is that fair to say? Yeah, no, it's, it seems like everyone is expecting a bowl game at this point. And that's, I think it's fair. And that's my favorite part about the, the turnaround of this program is a lot. Of, it was all hope at one point, and now it's an expectation. And I think that's something that's been missing from Syracuse University as a football program for a very, very long time in the inside of inside a locker room and outside of it. It's always, oh, uh, we hope we get to six games. Oh, we hope we can make a bowl game. Now it's, we expect to win these football games. We expect to make a bowl game. And that's the number one thing I noticed from and even though they're different levels in, in in high school, when I was playing at Dwyer, we won 10 to 11 games every single season. We, and we expected to do that. We expected to win those football games. And that's part of being a winning football program is the expectation of being great. And I don't there, there hasn't been that expectation for Syracuse for a very long time. We always used to look at the schedule and hope that we could compete with a Florida State or a Clemson and hope that we can compete for six games. Now they're expecting to do it. And that's the first step in becoming a top-notch program. And I think, and that's why I praise Coach Babers all the time now because he's created a culture in the locker room where there's an expectation to win. And that's been missing from Syracuse for a very, even when Marone was there, there it, it just wasn't there. It was, you're hoping, you're still kind of building. Now, even though Syracuse is at a 500 mark, there's an expectation that we can win these football games. And I think that's the number one thing from for ending this season and then building into the next one. Why do you think this team has been so competitive this season? What has impressed you the most? I think the number one thing, can I praise Coach E? For a second, the strength coach. Yeah, go he, ahead. He, he is doing a fa- – and I just like the guy because whenever I get a chance to talk to him, we just go back and forth. For the uninitiated, who's Coach E? Coach Edinger, he, he is the strength and uh, conditioning coach. He he came in with Coach Babers, and there was a lot of uh, back and forth between uh, Coach Hicks when Coach Babers first came in, the old strength coach, because everybody loved Coach Hicks. And mind you, Coach Hicks is a great strength coach. Uh, the program loves him. He's very well known and loved by the entire school. Um, but Coach Babers said, no, I got a guy. And I want to bring him into this program. And then Coach E came in, and he's just he's changed everything about the strength and conditioning program there. The, the weight room looks different. I used to work out in there. I had to stop because I was seeing too many things that was you know wasn't fair to the rest of the reporters. So um, I, I stopped going in there. But the stuff I saw, he had those guys doing, and, and the way that this football team has developed physically, especially on the defensive line, it, it's it's it, incredible to see. I remember when I was coming out. My head coach was telling my mom, oh, when he comes back, he'll be 200 pounds. I was 160. I came back 180, which is cool. That's fine. That's a good improvement. But a lot of guys, they come, to, they go to college, and they come back gaining 40 and 50 pounds. And you wonder how it happens. I was wondering, why didn't I do that? But with Coach E, it happens for those guys. And those freshmen are developing. They're getting stronger and bigger. Um, and the development process that he's put his guys through in the offseason has had a huge success, and you see it on the field. So well, that's got to be a big part of this because, you know, what were we saying going into the Clemson? game there's no way they're going to get overwhelmed by this physical defensive line nc state's defensive line lsu you know even though florida state's down there's still a lot of high profile athletes on this team so i'm glad you brought that up because that's a big reason why this team's been competitive this year because it's not only strength and conditioning in terms of pace and the offense running 90 plays these guys are holding their own in the trenches and that's my favorite part because it's not they're not losing football games because the physicality is physicality isn't there there it's sometimes it's either a talent situation or just a mental situation and those things can be coached and fixed and that's why i'm saying because coach babers is a great football coach and he's got a great staff so those things are going to get better the team can only get better from here but the physical aspect is taken care of coach e will have his guys right so i'm excited to see where they keep where they develop from here the number one thing has been this defensive line uh they've improved physically so much that 
they've got the ability now with just four linemen and then having two great linebackers and Paris Bennett and uh, uh, Zaire Franklin behind them. They just make a lot of plays and it makes it easier on the secondary. So that's why defense has improved so much, as much as they have. Uh, also, Coach Baber's defense. Everybody wants to track the offense. I went back and just looked at how does his defense improve? They went from his Bowling Green teams went from uh, around the hundredth places in just about every major category, and they jumped made this a similar jump to about the 60-50 range, and that's just about where Syracuse football is in their major categories. A little bit better. Uh, it's not quite in third down like like Syracuse is at Bowling Green, but they're, they're just continuing to improve. And Coach Bay, he's going to have a year three and four here, I believe, at in Syracuse. So that defense is only going to continue to get better. Um, the offense is going to continue to get better. And as, as long as it starts up front, that was the number one thing for Syracuse. And usually it's a problem at most smaller schools, the, the, the fronts, the defense, and the offensive side of the ball, um, that those offense-defensive lines are the number one things that take time to develop. But um, here at Syracuse, we're seeing Coach E do a great job getting his fat guys right. And it's <laughs> when your fat guys are doing well, the rest of your football team is going to be doing pretty well as well. Now, you said in there Coach Babers is going to get a year three and a year four. Yep. But if this keeps up, there's no question he's going to get attention. And, you know, I mean, think of the profile he already has with the viral speeches and he's turned around this program. He was sitting there in the ESPN film room for the national yep. championship game. So these high profile jobs are going to open up and eventually someone's going to ask him. So what's it going to take for Syracuse <laughs> to keep him around if, if this success continues? Oh, my goodness. I think the number one thing is he's got as long as he's I don't know how you keep a head coach anymore. I don't, unless you're, you're Alabama or, or a top-notch program. And I think the number one thing for Syracuse is continue to build everything around him that he could want and need. Just make this program as as great as it could possibly be for a head coach. Because he, sa- he said when he got here, this is a destination. You know, well, what, what happens when it, there's the no, a new destination? Doug you know? Marone said it was his dream job once upon a time. See, things it, change. Exactly. Yeah. Things change. And I think the number one thing for Syracuse is just building a program. Give him the the buildings that he needs. Give him – he's going to get the recruits that he wants. Get, just make sure that everything on the outside for this program to be great is there for this coach because that's the only thing that can make him say, look around and say, man, I don't want to leave. That's the only thing. And I, I see coaches that, that like to, to stay in, in Oregon or – They'll stay in a um, in a Clemson <laughs> down in where's Clemson uh, South Carolina. You know what I mean. So they will stay in these area these remote areas that you would think aren't you know the number one places to live. But you just got to build it for them. And once it's there, these coaches they get entrenched once you get them in the year five and six. And that's the number one thing. Get this guy to year five. Get him to year six. And I think he stays for a long time because well, he'll I, have a program and the, the recruits and everything that he needs to make this thing right. I'm not trying to get in the guy's head, but you know he's what 54 years old. He's been around the country a lot and if you find some place where you can be successful at a power five school ACC money coming in like you said as long as you provide him with the resources he needs I wouldn't begrudge the guy if he wanted to go to a major program at Florida or somebody like that called but you know it's time for Syracuse I think to show that you are a big boy you are in the power five and take some of that ACC money and some of these things and and, and build up the program so it is a destination right you know Dino said that but you, you want to back that up and what Syracuse has is the history behind it. But now you need success now. Right. And if he keeps building that up, then he's almost like, you know, Ben Schwartzwalder 2.0 in a mm-hmm. way. He's he's taking this program forward to what it should be kind of the modern equivalent of a destination program. 
You know, he's doing exactly that. I think with the way that his offense is built, the way that the, the uniforms, all this stuff is funny. I talk about it on Twitter with all these people all the time. Like the way Don't that, go on Twitter, Julian. It's, just, <laughs> Twitter, you know, it's, it's a dark place over there, but I, I entertain myself some kind of way in class. But um, it, it's it's fun. It's funny because you're exactly right. He's, he's modernizing the Syracuse football team. And I think the way with the dome, the way that's set up, that's nothing to renovate that dome. That's, that's one of those things where you just continue to build, like you said, the resources to keep this coach here renovate the dome but let him he's got a place where he's on a fast turf he's got a fast offense he's got uh the the the, the uniforms that just you could combo up and mix around and i always use Oregon as a template for that because they were the an initial uh fast paced crazy uniform type of team and i think coach babers enjoys that so i think there's definitely a, a opportunity for him to be sports water I said his name Twitter completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're close enough. Two point um, but it, it's just a matter of continuing to build this program, and I think they get to eight wins next year, and then and ten in 2019. He's just had this linear progression that I'm really beginning to enjoy. So uh, just a matter, like you said, building those resources around him, and then hopefully he makes that decision. Like you know what, this is where I want to be. Let me circle back on something because it is Florida State Week, and you've certainly talked about this before, but I wanted to ask you again. You know, a few years ago, Syracuse went down to Florida State. You suffered a pretty serious injury yep. down there. What can you tell me about that? What do you remember about the just everything from the play on the field right on through? Uh, okay, so way we lined up is uh, it was a three-by-one situation. I'm to the boundary. I'm expecting either a fade or a slant. Um, I look at Winston. He looks at me. I'm like, all right. Jameis Winston. Yes, Jameis Winston. We made eye contact. I smiled a little bit. Like, come on, throw this thing. I know it's it's one of it's one of the two, right? So receiver comes out and he gives me a, a fake outside. I'm like, oh shoot, he's he's coming back in there for that slant. And at the time, my foot speed just wasn't quite there to match up with him, and he gets back inside of me. And I'm still trying to make the play because my arm. I know that even though he's got the inside, I can still make a play with my arm lane. So. Just uh, trying to make a play, I extend with my right arm, leaving my body open. And Winston, if it's any other quarterback, I promise you, I'm getting a hand on that football. I'm getting a hand on it. But I could hear the whistle of the ball. Despite the crowd noise, I hear the whistle of the ball. My finger touches the laces, and it just slips into the receiver's chest. He scores. I'm like, shoot. But then my safety, uh, Jeremy Wilkes, coming across, trying to get a hit on him, misses. And he comes dead into his helmet and shoulder pad comes dead into my chest. And it felt like I got hit by a truck. And despite my pads, uh, it, it just felt like someone just completely uh, dropped the bomb into my chest. And as soon as I hit the ground, the number one thing I felt was just a burning and I couldn't breathe. It, it was a weird feeling. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, the, the wind is knocked out of me. Because I remember my first football injury as a child was getting the wind knocked out of me. I was scared. I'm like, all right, I just got the wind knocked out of me. I'm all right, just lay here, take some deep breaths. I couldn't breathe. And so, so I, and then it, again, the heartburn was just, it felt like I had drank a bottle of alcohol. So I, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't breathe. It was burning on the in my, inside of my chest. And I'm trying to get up. Wilkes trying to grab me. And I'm like, relax, relax. I'm like, I can't get up. I can't get up. And then as soon as I roll over, I coughed up blood. And that's when I got scared. Like, that's when it was like, I, I think I'm dying. <laughs> like, it, it, it was that serious. And I, I'm telling you, it, it, not to exaggerate the moment at all, I genuinely believed I was going to die. Um, I started crying. Um, I was thinking about my family. I knew they were in the stands. I'm thinking about my family. Uh, thought about my grandpa, him driving me to practice every day. I'm like, I, I can't. I, what am I going to do? I can't. I'm, I'm 19 years old. I, I, I genuinely believed I was going to die. So my... Um, 
the the uh, the training staff came over and they're just grabbing my hand like Julian, calm down, relax, relax. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Um, I start to see ambulances come by. I'm like, I, I can't do this. What, what is going on? I, I'm I'm telling you, balling at this point. I, I couldn't breathe and I was scared. It's, but as soon as they got, they managed to lift me up and put me in the ambulance. Um, I somehow they, you know, those little things when you're at the, the dentist and they put it in your mouth to suck out all yeah. the saliva or whatever. They did that for my esophagus. And yeah, it was kind of painful, but it, it worked. So I wasn't upset about it. And all of a sudden I could breathe again. And um, my, like just, I think the the stress kind of just relieved a little bit. And that was, and I finally, once I got to the hospital, it was okay. Uh, knowing my family was going to be there, uh, kind of calmed me down a little bit. Um, and then I got to watch the highlights around like 10, 11 o'clock. But uh, yeah, no, that was, that was probably the scariest thing I've ever dealt with in my life I, so i mean you, you you're on the field thinking you could die yes but things settle down you get to the hospital you got some good treatment but it had you had to think at some point am i going to play again yeah once everything settled down and priorities were in matter as a football player what were you thinking about your future at that point yeah so my mom came in and of course her first thing is are you okay are you healthy and i'm like yeah i'm all right you think I'm gonna get back on the field next week? <laughs> like, that was my first thought because I'm like, I can feel my toes, my ankles work, and my knees feel okay. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, as long as your lower body body is feeling okay, you can play any sport. So uh, I'm like, man, I think my chest will be. Right. I could put some extra padding on. Like I, I already made every excuse in my mind to make sure I'd still be ready to go. And my doctor came in. He's like, I, I think you're gonna be done for this year. I'm like, this year? I'll miss a game, coach. Come on. And, and I did like, he's like, relax. So, um, but once he said just for the season, I'm like, all right, cool. I got an off season. I'll be all right. And at that point, my mind, just the way I've always been built is like, all right, process thinking. I know I'll be fine in a couple of weeks. Um, this thing will heal. Um, and I'll, I'll be ready to go. Like, I wear shoulder pads. Uh, I'll get some bigger ones if I have to do that. I don't care about the swag anymore as long as I get to play. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be ready to go. So, um, yeah, I always once I got that first, I was like, "You might be done for the season." I'm like, "All right, cool. Well, I have two more years anyway, so I'll make it work." So that was that was the biggest thing for me. But I kind of knew once he told me it was just a season injury that I still had two more to go, and I still get a chance to play. So you did get back on the field and you graduated and uh, ended up uh, in a couple NFL camps, but. Yep. You've made your way back here to Syracuse. You're a grad student now, and yes. Julian is kind of making that transition into the media world. Yes. So let's let's go over this. This this could take a minute. All right. So he does post game show in town on ESPN Radio Syracuse. He writes for two different websites, NoonsMagician.com and our friends at Scout.com, Cuse Nation. Uh, at Syracuse, he does a number of. Uh, TV shows and podcasts and things that they have you do at the SI Newhouse School of Communications. Am I missing anything here? I mean, you're a media mogul these days, Julian. You're you're doing so much in that world. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what I like. You know, just trying to, uh, because I've never really been in this kind of sphere before. So just trying to figure out what exactly I enjoy. Um, I came into this thing thinking I would hate radio. I thought it was like obsolete now. But I'm doing doing a little bit of radio and I enjoy it. I like coming on and and hanging out with you and Seth. Um, I've always enjoyed writing. That was something I had interviews back in high school telling people, yeah, I want to be a writer for Rolling Stone. So like I I enjoy it now though, uh, just in in any any type of uh, subject. Um, and then television's cool. We're, we're, we both do Channel 9 together. Um, that's a lot of fun. Uh, still learning how to move around and look at the camera and everything. But no, I, I enjoy it all. Um, 
We've been doing play-by-play, ACC Digital Network for women's basketball. That's right, you're up. doing that too. So uh, it's just trying to figure out what I like, what I can do, where I excel, um, and just continue to just do my best in all of it. Um, it, it it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's, the best part about it, though, is, is knowing that I can do something besides play football. Because for a, once I got cut in Pittsburgh, I was really worried, like, can I? I knew I, I knew I wasn't dumb, and I knew I, I had some skills, but I just didn't know where they applied. So um, getting a chance to write for Noons and that um, back last year and then kind of figuring out that I had a passion for this was just huge for me. Um, I'm just trying to take it wherever it can go. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at you and I look at all these journalists here in Syracuse and I, I just, you know, set a template for myself. Like, all right, if I could be a little like him or a little like that and just kind of build my own identity in, in this field, um, I think I'll be OK. I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun with it. It doesn't feel like work. Um, that's the number one thing. I I never feel stressed out. People in class always ask me, how do you do this, this, and this, and in class and still have free time? I'm like, man, this is fun. Don't you hear so many people say that, that they do this or whatever they do in life, that if they're truly passionate about it, it's not a job. It's something that they just do and they enjoy doing, and they lose track of the hours. They lose track of the time because they're so passionate about it. And you you brought up so many things. I'll tell you what caught my eye with you was, was Twitter. You're at practice, yeah. and... You gave a perspective, even in that medium, that I don't think anybody could give. And that's hard to do on Twitter because you're limited and character-wise. But the, the observations you were making, I said, here's a guy who was just on this field who breaks it down so the fans understand it. And then we started chatting on the radio. And you just have this way of relating it to the fans so they, they can really break it down and, and know what's happening. And it's interesting because you still know some of these guys. So you're kind of towing that line of you played with some of them, you're an alum, you, you know, you, you played for Syracuse football, but you want to do this as well. So in that realm of players making that transition into media, how have you balanced that and dealing with former teammates, coaches, trainers, people that you know, but also having to give at times an objective analysis. Yeah, that's that's been the hardest part because sometimes I do have to criticize guys. Like there was a situation on noons where I had a defensive breakdown and uh, there was a situation where I had the geometry. I was telling him for Channel 9, I had that's the geometry right. where the safety had seven yards to get to the pylon and he didn't make it. I saw that safety two days later and he had read that article and he was like, thanks for not using my name. I appreciate that. Um, but what's, what's up? What's, what's good with you, man? Why are you doing that? And I'm like, listen, I know you can make that play. And if I write in the article, I'll do it in a constructive manner where I've said you can make that play. I've seen you do it. Um, but one, it, it, people are wondering why didn't you make that play? So I also have a job to do. And they respect that because I tell them you have a job too when you go on the field. So same thing with me. And just just towing that line, it's hard. But my number one thing is um, when I was getting covered and I like there was an article, I, was, I hope me and Stephen Bailey are cool at this point because I always talk about it. I hated that article that he wrote about me um, a couple years ago where it was, why is Julian Wiggins getting beat? I thought it was inaccurate and just plain wrong at times. Um, and if when I got into this, I'm like, I'm, that's never going to happen. I will never lie to you about Syracuse football or whatever football I end up covering. Um, I just want to give good information. It seems that like people enjoy it. They, they seem to like the insight. They seem to care about the game in a manner where they can continue to learn. And that's my thing is I'm like coaching the public almost. Uh, just kind of giving them insights that they may have not have seen and uh, to me, I don't, I don't see it as like a, a much of a translation. It just seems like football to me. This is, this is how I like to explain it to people. So, Julian, I thought you guys didn't read the newspaper or, oh, or any of that media uh, coverage. Oh man, you are not supposed to. <laughs> trust me, you're not supposed to read that, well, especially what? the comment section. But it's an, it's interesting you, that you brought that up because when you're a student athlete, when you're at Syracuse. 
things, okay? You got a lot to worry about. You're in meetings all day. You're, you're trying to go to class. You're trying to be a college kid. But this is a town that is passionate about its sports. And this would be in, you know, frankly, Syracuse is tame compared yeah. to Tuscaloosa or Happy Valley or Columbus or some or some other places. So just to follow up on that, how, how did you, and maybe you can relate some stories from, from teammates, let media coverage, let the public, and you mentioned it, message boards, it comes from everywhere now, social media. How did you keep block that out, or is it is it you can't block it out? You you it's hard because every single player has a form of social media, and every single player they get mentions, they get the notifications, and the number one th- the thing I tell young guys uh, whenever I get a chance to talk to them is don't it's terrible it's, don't Google yourself. The guys have egos; they want to know what people are saying about them, and because the, because when you're an athlete, guys grow up throughout this entire even from high school because of the way people cover recruiting. You're constantly being criticized, praised, and they, they, they want to prove themselves because everybody's trying to pull something away from them and talk about them in some kind of way. So they always want to control the narrative known about them. So I always tell guys, don't Google yourself. Don't uh, worry about your Twitter mentions or definitely don't go into a comment section. Uh, those, are, those opinions are the worst. Just, just continue to focus on your game. Continue to focus on what you're here to do. Don't worry about the outside. And there's some guys who are very good at it, and there's some guys who, who aren't. And I think the number one thing that, and that's, and that's another thing, is this generation has to deal with something that athletes in the past never had to, with social media and the extra scrutiny. It's, it's very hard, and it's something that's going to have to continue to be taught and coached up on. It's, it's a, a certain aspect of mental toughness, not to look to the outside. It, it requires you to have a very narrow focus on your goals. And to these players and the guys out there, I always tell them uh, in, in as many ways as possible, even if I'm not talking to them directly, I'll use it on Twitter because I know they read my Twitter account for some reason. Um, just focus on your game. Focus on what you're doing. Don't worry about what the public says about you because unless I've talked to them, they don't know what's going on. <laughs> All right? Um, and, and, and I'm just – you got to focus on what you're doing because if you let distractions hit you, it'll be very hard to, to be a successful athlete. Julian, we'll close on this note. Uh, this team's got four games left. Florida State, Wake Forest, Boston College all of a sudden playing a lot better. And, of course, uh, Louisville mixed in there as well. Two at home, two on the road. Uh, you know, four games can be a lot to look into the future, but if you had to nail it down, how do you think this team's going to finish the season? I give them uh, seven wins to close this thing out. Um, the one thing is they haven't quite proven the consistency uh, yet. They, they'll win a game against a Clemson, and they throw four picks in the first half, you know, the next week. Even though it was Miami, the, the reason they were throwing them were it wasn't quite Dungey closing his eyes and throwing it. Receivers couldn't get off a press coverage, and the offensive line uh, was poor after a great week the week before. So the consistency isn't quite there for me yet, but I do believe they have the talent and the ability to, to put it together and get two more wins, or excuse me, three more wins, um, and, and the number one, and, and then win on the road. I'm worried about the way they went on the road, um, but the way the, since these football, the, these next four football teams aren't quite. Um, the greatest things ever. Uh, there's, there's certainly they're winnable games, and I think they'll get one win on the road, and I think they can take care of business at home. So I give them seven wins, and hopefully they, they get to a full game they enjoy. Julian, thanks for joining us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe in iTunes. Look for us on Apple Podcasts to get the latest delivered right to your phone, iPad, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm Brent Gaines. We'll talk to you next time.